0: Hello, this is Better Ideas, and I'm your architect, host Pete Calhoun. Now, over the past few weeks, I've been talking sustainable living with a a bunch of friends and experts. Now, if you've missed any of the shows, go back and catch up. You can hear talks with Michelin star chef Bruno Lebert, who suggested I start growing some lettuce of my own. Now, I've taken up this challenge, and I went to the gardening shop. I bought some lettuce seeds, some tomato seeds, I think some broccoli... I walked out with a paintbrush, some metho, and a whipper snipper as well. So it was very, very productive. And I've taken up the challenge. Now, my mate from Better Homes and Gardens has also thrown down the challenge, Graham Rowe. I don't think Graham really believes I can actually grow anything of my own. I'm an inner-city boy with no experience living 150 metres from breaking surf, but I'm going to give it a crack. Now follow me on Instagram, Peter Cahoon, and what I'd like you to do is follow the challenge, hashtag gardening versus Peter, to get this thing rolling and make all our lives a little bit more sustainable. Now you can also see all the pictures on the ACAST app and it's well worth downloading Now, if you haven't downloaded the ACAST app, please do it and find better ideas through that because you can watch along as well as listen. Now, coming up, I chat with Fast Ed from Better Homes and Gardens TV show about practical tips and tricks when it comes to batch cooking. And environmental architect Tone Wheeler from Enverona Studio is back and his tips on keeping your home warm and how to tackle condensation. Now, last week, I asked you to send me your stories of random acts of kindness, and they've already started coming in. If you've got some examples, we'd love to hear it, record it. They only need to be about 30 seconds. Keep them short and email them to me at podcast at 7.com.au. That's podcast at s-e-v-e-n.com.au. And here are some of your random acts of kindness.
1: I'm back in my country in Fiji and there's a lady who looks like my mum, right? She looks like my mum and she is struggling for two or three dollars to buy meat for her family. I just happened to be standing there watching, but the guy put the amount of meat down on the on the table and he's gone, no, you can't have it. You know? And I've gone, yes, you can, I'll take that and I'll pay for next month as well. Because it was what I would pay for a beer at the Hilton, was the amount that she was paying for meat for a month. Wow. I made an impact on my life too because I just thought, shit, how decadent are we? Or how do we live our lives? How much do we ignore? How many people around us aren't getting basics, but we're sitting here going, well, you know, the beer wasn't cold enough. Most of our problems are first world. These guys are trying to feed themselves. You know, we're rocking and out of a place like Fiji or any, it could be anywhere in Australia too. And I thought, imagine if I was her son at home. Same age as my mum, yeah. and I thought
2: it affected you too. It was, it was, it was a good experience. Yeah,
1: but oh, man, I remember it. I'm telling you about it. <laughs> it's amazing how many lives, uh,
0: both as a lifeguard and a paramedic, um, that were saved over many, many years. And the thanks that usually comes back is is minimal. Not that you're really looking for thanks. You don't really want any thanks. But uh, it's nice to be appreciated. And I don't know whether it's people uh, are scared or nervous or embarrassed, just a bit arrogant. Uh, it's hard to put it on any one reason, but when you do get a, a phone call or someone stops you in the street or you get a letter, it makes you feel like it's all been worth it. And the people walking around on this earth, because of you, actually really appreciate the time they're getting to spend with their kids or their wife or their loved ones, But materialistic things means nothing. Just a good old thanks is great.
3: My name is Serena and my idea for a random act of kindness will be to bring a whole bunch of spare umbrellas into the office where I work and have anyone be able to use them whenever they need it because in Brisbane the weather can change so rapidly and it's absolutely the worst to be stuck outside in the rain without an umbrella.
1: Tim from House Rules here. A few weeks ago I was just in the street and uh, a random sort of homeless uh, you know, man came up to me and asked me for some for some money and I don't really carry any cash on me these days, like no one—not too many people do. And he said, "Oh, I said, oh, I said, but is there anything I can get you?" And he said, "Oh, look, I, I just love a pillow. I would just love a pillow to, so when I'm sitting on the street, my bum doesn't hurt." So I went into the, we went into the store and I bought him a pillow, and he was wrapped. And I, um, I'll be honest, it was a pretty good moment actually. That's so. uh, Matt from House Rules. Um, a random act of kindness. I've noticed is um, people paying ahead for other people's coffees. So you go into a coffee shop. Um, and you basically pay ahead and then the next person comes in and they get a free coffee. I think that's um that's a really nice concept.
0: Fast ed. Yes, Ran- random acts of kindness. Are you asked me to perform one.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh I'm not in the mood. <laughs> well have you witnessed one? Ah, uh, yeah, I did recently actually. Something really, really amazing. As a, the parent of a 13-year-old boy who, who is a scooter rider, I spent a lot of time around skate parks. Skate parks generally, I mean, even certainly from when I was young, have something of a reputation of where the bad kids go. Yeah. Nothing could be further from the truth. For anyone who's actually a parent of a kid who likes to skate, those kids are obsessed with skating and the act of skating. Now once you get the 18 19, 20 20-year-olds 20 hanging around the skate park, yeah, they've generally got a bourbon in hand. Let's let's be honest or something else. It's true, but those young kids, they're no different to kids who are obsessed with soccer or with Dungeons and Dragons or with chess or with surfing. They're just it's the thing they love to do. Normally the kids get not the you know 13, 14 year old kids get really frustrated when the really little kids I'm talking five and six on their three wheeled entry level scooters start getting in the way, and you can understand a it's frustrating but also it's potentially dangerous yeah. But I did see something amazing. So this kid came along and he was on one of those three wheeled scooters and he's trying to go trying to you know learn how to scoot and whatever and uh, and eventually he found himself at the top of the the big ramp which is it's not real big at that skate park but it's big ish. What if three things could have happened. Uh, number one, he could have gone down that big ramp, come a clumsy, and it would have all ended badly. Number two, he could have decided that he wasn't going to do it, in which case he didn't hurt himself, but he also neither learned nor felt good about himself. Well, number three could have happened, which was a couple of boys, and I know who they are, 16 years old, happily doing their own thing, doing tricks and, and entertaining themselves, took time out of their day to walk over to this little kid who was getting in their way and said, it's okay, buddy, you can do it. Let us show you how. And those two boys then spent the next nearly half hour teaching this kid to go from the small ramp to the slightly bigger ramp to the medium ramp and eventually up to the big ramp. And they got to prove it because his mum eventually videoed this little kid going down the big ramp. Now, those kids gave up half an hour of their time. Does it really matter? Probably not. Does it really matter in the life of this little kid? Yeah, but much, much more importantly, how do you reckon it made his mum feel about A, the world around her child, and more importantly, around the idea of letting her kid go to the skate park. Those transformative acts cost you absolutely nothing and have huge flow-on benefits. So to every young 16-year-old kid hanging out at a skate park who can take the time out of their day to help some other kid connect with the sport, go for it. you got my thumbs up.
0: I think Mick Jagger once said, if it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. Now, Ed, what about doubling up on recipes? What are your thoughts on this? Doubling up if
3: you're making stuff, make some for something else. Well, I always else. said to people, you know, I'm, you know, I'm on a diet. Well, actually, that's not true. I'm on two diets. There's not enough food in one. Um, <laughs> I stole that joke. i got to admit, I stole that joke. terrible. Yeah, look, doubling up can be great. It's a good efficiency that can make the week work better. Um, you know, we generally refer to this as batch. Look, the most important thing to know is that some things work really, really well with batch cooking and some things really don't. Uh, There is also some important lessons you need to know about food safety. Some foods absolutely can be made in bulk, stored or refrigerated, and served again. Others will either fail uh, culinarily or they could become potentially dangerous to eat. Mm. Um, So I I want to start at the back end of it, because I don't want to be heavy, but it's it's serious. No, absolutely. So one of the the worst things in the world you batch cook is actually rice. Mm -hmm. Uh, The reason for it, number one, um, rice and pasta both, you cannot freeze. I'm just going to say this again. Rice and pasta, you cannot freeze once they're cooked. The reason is they are not freeze-thaw stable. Freeze-thaw stability is the idea that, you can freeze something, defrost it, and it mant- maintains its structure. Yep. If you freeze rice and defrost it, it turns into the sort of thing that you know I would hand over to Adam to put a retaining wall <laughs> up at the back of my house. <laughs> right. because it's a bit of render. It's a bit of render. It's yep. mortar, mate. It, yep. like, it literally breaks down because the cell structure breaks down. Same thing happens with pasta. The worst problem happens when you refrigerate rice. Now, when you cook rice, essentially what you do is you create a humid environment in which you have a carbohydrate-rich product full of moisture warmth and food they are the three things that bacterial organisms need more than anything else Mm -hmm. in order to survive so if you cook some rice and leave it out on the bench to cool down the problem that you will run into is that as it sits there all the billions of bacteria in every cubic meter of, of your room are landing on it you put it in the fridge; it doesn't really worry too much. Those bacteria keep multiplying. If the next day you reheat it properly and serve it, you'll probably get away with it. If you eat that on day two and beyond, good luck to you. Really? Absolutely. I'm sorry, guys. I know you're all looking at me going, "Don't do this. Don't throw away rice. Hold it." Who's? Oh, that's a fire alarm in the building. I think it. Oh jeez. Is that what it is? <laughs> This podcast
0: being interrupted by a fire drill. This happened the other day, didn't it? Please resume normal activities. Thank you for your cooperation. Nice. A false
3: condition. One.
0: Well, we we're back after the fire drill, and Ed. No, he didn't leave the slow cooker on.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I reckon someone was making toast you in the staff canteen. Very common.
0: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we, we, we're all good. We're talking about um, freezing and mm. doubling up on recipes, and yep, we're talking yep, yep. about rice and pasta. Yep. What if you pick up a, a frozen lasagna from the from the supermarket? Uh, and see, it I f- knew this
3: question was going to come, yeah. and it's the obvious rebuttal to my statement that you can't freeze pasta. Mm. Um, so. First caveat I should say is well, I was talking about pasta just on its own. So, um, sitting just loose, loose cooked pasta or in a light sauce. It, look, in fact, in lasagna, the pasta does actually end up pretty crappy. It's just you can't tell because it's surrounded by meaty goodness, tomatoey unctuousness, that word again you might remember from last week, and also loads of cheese. So with all those things, you're less likely to notice that the pasta, in fact, has become chalky and a little bit brittle. Mm. No one can tell listening to this show that I've got a tear in my jeans, but I still have a tear in my jeans. Yeah, right. From 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 eating all that beautiful frozen pasta. So we're really I didn't out, say I split well, them, mate. No, no, I <laughs> said I had a hole in my jeans. God. Wow,
0: don't know that image. Yeah. Now listen. Um, now, now we're not we're not we're, then we're not doubling up generally on rice yep. or on pasta. Yep. What are some of the dishes though are good for doubling up? Then,
3: perhaps? Look, basically, if you say the word stew, braise. Soup, pretty much you're going to be okay. Look, with soups, again, like rice and pasta, be careful with things that involve uh, split peas, lentils, dried beans. Again, freeze-thaw stability is not particularly good. They tend to break down uh, and become mushy when you rewarm them. But look, like you, I travel a lot for mm. work, right? Mm. And it's really important to me that my kids have a good meal uh, while I'm away. Let's just say yep. my wife and I bring different skill sets to <laughs> our relationship. Glad you're a um, diplomat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I look I, like um I'm I'm heading off. Oh no. Really? We keep going. We, we I <laughs> (laughs) Was that part two of the fire drill? (laughs) No. It's like every time I start saying something controversial, someone beeps at me from a distance. But anyway, what I was saying was, like, I'm going away for a few days. So last night, what I did is I went and bought a piece of pickled pork. I don't know if you come across that. It's like corned beef, but made from pork instead. Mm. Like, think about that like you would any braised meat. I've just browned it, I've put it into a great little orange and chicken stock mixture with some veggies, cooked it out for a few hours, and then what I've done is I've portioned it up into individual containers. That will freeze beautifully, mm. and then all they need to do is cook some pasta or some couscous or whatever, defrost one of these, shred it between two plates, and there's the kids' meal sorted, ready to go in about five, ten minutes. Look, the real advantage... Couscous. Can you freeze couscous? No, again, it's no. a grain. That's it's a what start. I thought. That's what Another I thought. Yeah, so yeah, you need yeah. to make that fresh. Yeah. As far as the convenience factor for batch cooking, I don't actually think that it's in saving you time in making dinner. I don't think that's where the advantage comes from. It's the saving you get when you need the fast meal. So I don't think people necessarily mind putting some time into making, for example, a big batch of whether it's lasagna or whether it's a, a, a beef stew or whether it's a Irish lamb or whatever. But it's the fact that, you know, if you've got a 13 and a 16-year-old like I do and you get back from he's yeah. done Muay Thai, she's done French tutoring, yeah. they've both got homework to do. And quite frankly, I'm stuffed to our boxing yeah. session this afternoon. I want them fed in 10 minutes. Yeah, I've been doing this fast cooking thing shtick for 16 years on telly. I tell you, the really fast thing is have something in the freezer.
0: <laughs> winter is almost here, so my mate Tone Wheeler from Enverona Studio is back and he's addressing some things you might be facing during winter in the home. Tone condensation moisture in the house it's a common problem that even new homes seem to need to solve
2: yeah it's a huge problem and when people ask me you know how do you stop all the condensation on the windows in winter my usual answer is um, stop breathing <laughs> just don't live in that room stop breathing stop making tea don't don't make cups of coffee well that's not going to don't work. have a shower yeah you know, you know be like the English you know. <laughs> Queen Victoria said I had a bath once a month whether I needed it or not. No, it's not the Aussie way. Uh, you know, the way is that we have lots of showers. We look out, you know, we, mm. we clean this. We're quite happy to boil a jug and we're quite happy to be breathing. So it's all that moisture that builds up inside the house, particularly in winter. The moment it hits a cold surface, like a sheet of glass, it condenses, condenses out. The water vapour becomes water droplets. Mm-hmm. And the best way to stop it is to not have any cold surfaces in the house. That's not easy at all. We've got terrible houses in terms of climate adaptation. Our houses are beautiful to live in. They've got great gardens and stuff. One thing that we never did in Australia, we didn't insulate our houses well enough, and we didn't build with double glazing. There are some locations north of Perth, a couple of hundred kilometres north of Perth, north of Sydney, around Port Macquarie, the climate is so good that you could get away yep. with living sort of indoor-outdoor for the whole year. Mm-hmm. But the rest of Australia, yep. you need insulation Yeah. because it gets too cold in winter and it gets too hot in summer.
0: Yeah. Now, that's when we're designing from scratch. What if we've, my home's
2: already built? What am yeah, I doing there's now? The, there's the problem, particularly if it faces south and it gets really, yeah. really cold. Two things. Let's deal with the walls and the roofs. So in the roofs we need insulation and insulation is measured in resistance level or R Mm -hmm. levels. We want R4 or 5, what we've got at the moment is about R1. So we really need to lift our game in that, so we can do it in the roof. Now the walls are made up of two components. There's the actual walls, solid walls and and glazing and, and the windows and doors. The windows and doors are all single glazed in most of our houses. We never think about the fact that we get condensation in winter, and we get very hot in summer. So, and our houses leak air a fair bit more than they do overseas. If it's a forty degree day outside, very quickly it's forty degrees inside, um, unless you've got some barrier to prevent that, and that's that's double glazing. Mm-hmm. Worse in winter, if you've got lots and lots of moisture in the air from people breathing, kids running around, boiler kettle. That moisture is going to actually hit a single pane of glass, which is the same temperature as outside. Mm-hmm. What double glazing is, it has one pane of glass that's at the outside temperature and one pane of glass at the inside temperature, so condensation never occurs. Mm-hmm. Then, if you want to apply that to the wall, you have to insulate the wall, and that's where it gets really tricky. Yeah. Yeah, because if it's not a cavity wall, you' bit stuck. You can put insulation into the cavities, but yep. it's very expensive. It's a big cavity, like in a in a brick veneer house. You've got quite a big cavity to be filled. But there are insulation materials that you can use that you can pump in. But how do you get it in? You know, taking tiles off, reaching down, putting that insulation in. It's expensive. Sometimes the best way to do it is just to put another layer of plasterboard with insulation between the existing plasterboard and the inside layer. There's, there's actually plasterboard and are made now with insulation bonded to the back of it. Right. Not not the loose insulation that we know like, yep. you know, fiberglass and polyester. It's embedded in the product. It's embedded in the product. It, yep. it, it's made from PIR or it's made from phenolic resin. In other words, it's bonded onto the back of this sheet of plasterboard. Yep. And you take the architraves and the skirtings off, and then you put this new plasterboard straight over the top. Yes, you lose a little bit of space in the room. Mm-hmm. But boy, it transforms the quality of the room. You lose a bit of quantity, but you gain a huge amount in quality. In terms
0: of air quality, and if you've got people with respiratory problems, this is what we're addressing
2: here. You're increasing or improving the, the air quality and the livability of this space. Because what happens is you're spending half or less on the energy to heat and cool the place because you're not throwing it through the wall. You're keeping it in the room. Mm.
0: So to solve condensation in the house tone it's increasing the insulation in the roof from R1 to resistance 4, R4 ideally encouraging
2: double glazing on any new
0: work that you do
2: or even on old windows no, no, the windows and window frames don't last forever we were replacing those or there are now systems where you can add another layer of glazing There's a that, that are magnetically connected to the windows and obviously insulating as much as you can Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then putting a good fan in the, in the
0: bathroom. Well, it's a dry topic, but I think we're covering condensation in the home. Thanks for listening to Better Ideas. Now, don't forget to subscribe and let your friends know about the podcast Better Ideas and connect with me, Peter Cahoon, on Instagram and follow me along on my gardening challenge, which is hashtag gardening versus Peter. Now next week, Jason Hodges from Better Homes and Gardens is back, and he's going to talk about first impressions at the front of your house, and that dovetails beautifully with a chat with Executive Chairman of Rain and Horn, Angus Rain. boy hasn't he sold some houses in his time, about how to get your house ready for sale to attract buyers. I have on the line the the two chippy carpenter brothers from House Rules, Matt and Tim, how you going boys? Yeah, going well. Yeah, going really well. <laughs> now as we know, house rules, let's face it boys, it's a competition, right? You gotta have a competitive edge, a competitive spirit. What do you think gives you the edge and do you think you can win?
1: Oh look, uh, we've 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 gone into the competition obviously wanting to win, but um, we we try and keep our integrity through that so we don't you know, we try to do the best for the homeowner and negotiate with uh yeah, you know, everybody in mind. Like we haven't sort of gone to throw anyone under the bus and, and step on anyone to win. We we think we've got the tools to win. Like we think we've um, got a good now for space and design. So um, and obviously we've got the trade behind us. So I think um, I think confidence is, is is a good thing too.
0: Absolutely, boys. Well, you know what? You're on house rules and you're slowly getting recognised. But this week, man, you're hitting a big time. You're on Better Homes and Gardens with Adam. <laughs>
1: Um, when I found out, I was uh, I was pretty excited.
0: Let me ask you, boys. You, I know you've been flat chap. You've had time to catch up with Adam from Better Homes and Gardens, and you guys have been work on a project with him.
1: Good. We did a little pro, a little bin screen over in uh, Western Sydney. Yeah, it was a bit of fun. What have you done? Oh, look. Basically, um, you know, when you walk up your driveway and you don't want to see your bins, and you know, you don't want the public looking at your bins. Um, we decided that yeah, we'd uh, build a nice merbu, timber bin screen to
0: cover the bins up the, Who held the tape measure and who swung the hammer? I
1: was, uh, oh, I was on the, the tape I was on the tape cutting and Tim was uh, yeah, Tim was also on the tape yelling at measure.
0: Uh, Tim and Matt thanks boys this week on Better Homes and Gardens
1: Thanks mate Thanks
0: a lot Better Ideas is a 7West Media production Loretta Farrell is the producer Nikki Hamilton the executive producer and I'm your host Pete Calhoun